Farmers are the heartbeat of rural America. Congress recently invested $20 billion in America's farmers and ranchers, focusing on conservation practices and profits for future generations. Today, these funds are at risk. You're squawking over $20 billion. That USDA program, it's investment into the future for everybody. If the funding was eliminated, it could hurt farms and families. Tell Congress, protect this generational investment in the Farm Bill. Learn more at investinourland.org. Paid for by Invest in Our Land. Where did you get the famous Kara Swisher swaggering confidence? Since I was a kid. No. No was my favorite word. Mm, I don't think so. Kara Swisher has spent her career perfecting the art of saying no. In the late 90s, when the Washington Post offered what they considered the ultimate gig, a top job covering politics, Swisher said no, no. and moved to California to write about tech for the Wall Street Journal. Years later, in 2014, she and her colleague Walt Mossberg left the journal and started their own mini-tech coverage empire called Recode. At the time, it was a big event in media. Top journalists were leaving legacy companies and testing whether they could survive as entrepreneurs, similar to Politico's founding by refugees from The Washington Post. At the heart of Swisher's new venture was an annual event, which eventually became known as the Code Conference where she mined her Rolodex of tech CEOs to come sit in giant red chairs for intimate interviews in a small theater. Steve Jobs was an early and frequent guest. It became a lucrative business, too. People pay thousands of dollars to attend every year, and advertisers pay millions. Recently, Swisher announced that she was leaving the New York Times, where she hosted a successful podcast and wrote a popular newsletter. Now she's bringing all of her various platforms inside her home at Vox Media. But the real stunner came more recently when she announced that this was her last year organizing and running the annual Code Conference, which concluded on Thursday in Los Angeles. This year's event at the Beverly Hilton, that's where they do the Golden Globes each year, had a lot more political guests than usual, Pete Buttigieg and Gavin Newsom and Amy Klobuchar. There were a few dominant themes, such as the threat from TikTok, which came up a lot, and the threat from antitrust enforcement that has been gaining bipartisan support in Washington. If you want to get a sense of what the Code Conference is like, a typical question from the audience might start like this. Hi there, I'm so-and-so, and one day you're going to be buying my company. This actually happened in front of me to Matthias Daufner, the CEO of Axel Springer. They own Politico. Anyway, at the event's final big panel on Wednesday evening, Swisher ended things where she started with a conversation about Steve Jobs. I'm Ryan Lizza, and this is Playbook Deep Dive. She gathered the famous Apple designer, Johnny Ive, and the widow of Steve Jobs, Lorraine Powell Jobs, and the CEO of Apple, Tim Cook, who flew to Los Angeles for Swisher hours after unveiling the new iPhone 14 at Apple's headquarters in Cupertino. In classic Cara fashion, she admonished the audience not to ask what she considered stupid questions about the new iPhone. It wasn't lost on the audience that this was the ultimate flex, getting Tim Cook to come to your conference on Apple's biggest day of the year. The event ended on a much more poignant note than one would expect at a conference about technology and politics. The reason why I want to read the last thing from his, and this may make me cry, I read it every three months. Remember I think I'm not going to be able to read this. Um, Remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make big choices in life 
because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Remembering that you're gonna die is the best way to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You're already naked. There is no reason not to follow your heart. After it was over, I met Kara in a suite on the eighth floor at what was Code's last secret poker party. That's a tradition that was started by Brooke Hammerling years ago when the conference was in Carlsbad, California, and all the bars closed early. Uber famously got funded after conversations that started at Brooke's poker table. When I arrived at 10 p.m., Jeffrey Katzenberg was sitting at the high-stakes table playing with some conference goers. People munched on Joe's Pizza, not as good as the real ones in New York, FYI, and drank and smoked on a large balcony overlooking Los Angeles. Kara and I found a quiet side room, and we talked about the end of her running the Code Conference, her long and winding career, and why she loves saying no. All right, ready? Wait, but I was going to ask you, we could just start at the end, because... Okay. And your friend Tammy is like, you got to talk to Kara about that ending, because she was like, I don't think I've ever seen Kara cry. <laughs> I didn't really cry. I teared up. You cried. Uh, no. <laughs> Here's what I was crying about. Yeah. I, or I wasn't crying. I was tearing up. <laughs> uh, to technically, let's get it accurate, Ryan. Ca- okay. I, there was no tears. If Kara was interviewing Kara right now, she would push you and be like, "You were crying." Uh, okay, whatever. Uh, I, 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 I choked up. And there's sure. nothing wrong with crying, first of all. Uh, I didn't cry. Okay. Anyway, we're not going to argue the point. Um, I love that quote. I do. It affects me a great deal. My dad died when I was five. I had a stroke. Um, I think about How death all the time. When yes. I was, the stroke I had when I was in my forties. And I had two small children, and I, of course, had been affected by my father's death. He died at 34 years old. And so it's in my mind that I would never live past 34, and then that, that I was very aware of death from the very beginning. And Steve Jobs' death really affected me. And not that I was particularly close to him. I knew him very well. But in that, here was a very bright light that just could be extinguished like that. I, that has been part of my growing up for my whole life, my awareness. And that speech he gave... And I remember it when he gave it because I what talked to him context? about it. He had been very sick and thought to be dying, and then he wasn't. And then he right, right. thought he was cured. And it was a speech about that. It the was clip spe- you played, he had him talking about, about yes, that. Yes, it was a longer speech about how to not settle in life. And it was beautifully done. And it wasn't a cliched speech. Don't settle. Try your hardest. Reach the moon. It was a beautiful speech about mistakes you make. About di- It ultimately was about dying and then how death informs everything he did. Was it a and, um, college address, maybe? Was it a commencement? It was Stanford. He was at Stanford yeah, University. I remember. Was in famous, 2005, it, maybe? Yeah, yeah. And what had happened is he had gotten really sick, and then he was well. He was actually good. And you could see it in those pictures at Code is he got fat. Like, he got sort yeah, of fat. He was and gaunt, and then... The, then no, he, gaunt was at the end. That was the toward the end of his life. But he was gaunt, and then he was heavy. Not heavy, but, you know, just healthy he looking. yeah. And then he was gaunt. That interview was only a few months before he died. So what was really interesting about that speech is that he thought he had beat it. And so he, but the thing that he took away from it is, I got to live because I could die at any moment. What he didn't know was that him and the team would go on to create the greatest technology, I think, in history. I would say right now, the iPhone is the most important moment of change. And he was dying. While he was in the middle of... Well, he was more creative in the period that he was sick and dying than any period of his life, I would say. I think most people would agree to that. And it was astonishing, and it really inspired me. I know it sounds crazy. And then I had a stroke right around when he died. 
I, I, it just stuck with me, this idea about endings and don't stay in anything in your life if you want to do something else. And it's, it informs me a lot. And that's why I'm not doing the co-conference anymore. I mean, it's very successful. As you can see, it's financially successful. We had everyone here. I just, I've done it 20 years and now I'm going to do something different. And it, it was inspired by jobs, really was. When did you make the decision to sort of walk? Uh, you're not walking away completely. No. You're going to be involved, obviously. Yes, but 100%. For listeners who don't understand... You know, and our audience is obviously more of a political audience. Sure. So I want you to talk a little bit about, as someone who covers Washington yeah. and covers uh, the California tech world, mm-hmm. I want you to talk a little bit about the difference between those two worlds. And sure. this year's conference was a lot about yeah. bringing those worlds together. Yeah, there was a lot. So in, in I the, spent a lot of time past. doing that. I had Senator Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, Gep, Governor Newsom. I always have political people. The tech people always don't like it, but I don't care. Why don't they like it? I don't, they're getting sued, I guess. <laughs> they don't like it because yeah, there's yeah. like a I don't know. They just they, they think right they now. hung the moon and nobody else can do it. I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. I noticed there's two different crowds. You know, you, get, you do have like uh, in some of the more political panels, you, you have yes. different people yeah. who are yeah. more, yeah. more Yeah, but I try to integrate it and make it clear why it's important. You know, I covered the Microsoft trial. so That was like it, 95, right? Yes, way yeah. back at the Washington Post. And so... I think it's important for them to be cognizant. And I'll never forget Bill Gates came to the Washington Post when I was there. And he arrived in a cab, which was my favorite part. Um, And we took him upstairs. And um, he started saying, I don't have a lobbyist. I don't care about Washington. I just want them to stay away. And I was literally like, this town is full of student body vice presidents with subpoena power. So you better pay attention because you are on a road to monopoly. And it was just this attitude, this sort of arrogant, overconfident attitude that we're making every, the future, what do we need these clowns for? And that was right before that late 90s boom, when I, if I'm remembering correctly, Mm -hmm. there was the the big story of, oh, Silicon Valley learns about Washington lobbying. And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden they started giving money, right? And that was like... Right after Not a that. lot for a long time. They didn't, they didn't engage with Washington for a long time. You know, one of the only people that did that was Steve Case, who wrote a very good book at the time. When he was talking about the things that were coming, like EVs and health care, needed regulatory. He was a Virginia guy anyway, though, right? Wasn't he an East Coast he, guy? He was AOL. He was, the, he was the head of AOL. I wrote a book about him. But he was the only one that did understand that what was coming was going to require regulatory scrutiny because it was health care, it was transportation, um, and it wasn't just dating services. Now, what we didn't know at the time was that a lot of the stuff they were already creating, like social media, was going to be political. It was going to be a political problem for everybody and in need of some kind of action. Same thing with privacy, um, that all of this was headed towards Washington. And in fact, someone we were having, his mom died, Bill Gurley, who's a venture capitalist, is going to talk about this Washington Silicon Valley Gulf I want to go back a little bit to talk about the walking away from things and the lessons you've learned, mm-hmm. because in the conversations that I've had with you since in the time I've known you, mm-hmm. the most valuable conversations I think I've had with you are about career stuff. Yeah. And you, um, I know a lot of people who admire you a lot and mm-hmm. get advice from you. They do. And you, you mentor a lot of, uh, of people that, you know, we, we both know. That's one of the things you're, you're known for in our business. And a lot of the stuff, a lot of the stories I've heard you tell about career decisions and life decisions are about like, I was asked to do this and I said no. Yes. And, or I was at the, you know, I was at the the peak of this place and I left to start X. Mm -hmm. Um, I did. And, you know, there's probably a few of those points in your life starting with Walt. Yeah, all of it happens all the time. What, what are the... 
I think that's a good way for people to understand you. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the, and if you agree with the, the premise there, what are a few examples where yeah. you took a risk like that? Yeah. Well, one of the things, I have two things. One is I don't like being told what to do. I'm, uh, I, and I, I, I make yeah. the joke that I'm a terrible employee. I don't like being an employee. I, I'm not good at it. Yeah. I, I can't, I always say the shitty thing to the boss. Like, they'll say something, I'm like, oh, you're wrong, and you're an idiot. And I can't help myself. I'm like, oh, shove it back in my mouth. Starting back when you were like, didn't have the kind of power when I was, you have oh, today? Oh, no. When I, was, when I was an intern at the Washington Post, when I was a, I was a copy aide. And one time I didn't get the, the reporting of They gave it to a Harvard person, as usual, right? Where'd you go to school? Georgetown. But it was not Harvard. They, they hired only Harvard people or whatever. At the time, <laughs> it was very Harvardy for interns. And they didn't hire me. And the, I remember the guy, I think it was Tom Wilkinson. I don't think he's living anymore. He's a wonderful guy. He's one of the managing editors. And he's like... You know, he was like, oh, you got to be this, you got to be this. I go, you know what? I'm the fucking best of all these people. I said, someday you're all going to be working for me. And so I'll wait or I'll not wait, but I don't really care. But I don't really prefer to hear your advice on this. And he was like, oh, yes. I wasn't even an intern. I was less than an intern. And the same thing happened when I was working for John McLaughlin. And I was tw- I must have been 20. You, you worked for the oh, McLaughlin yes, group? I did. Oh I wrote God. his column. I ghost wrote. Jesus I, I know. Well, he was so abusive. I testified against him in a trial. You didn't know that? When I was in my tw- early 20s. Okay. Sexual harassment. And, oh, I did not know that. Oh, yeah. And then it, he settled with the woman. But it's a really interesting thing. So he was. I was working there. I worked at the city paper. And was earning like, I don't know, $14,000 a year and at the time. And then... I was offered this job, and I'm very liberal, and I thought, oh, this will be interesting. And he was very smart. He's a Jesuit. He was super smart. And he had started this show, which was sort of the beginning of scream television, like cable television. And Eleanor Cliff and... Um, Pat Buchanan. Pat Buchanan was on it. And uh, Jewel, uh, what's his name? Uh, Robert Novak. Clarence Page. Clarence Page. They were all there. Um, and so it was just it was just a wrestling match. And my grandfather had done wrestling matches. I was like, oh, it's a wrestling match. Like WWF? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Up in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And I used to go all the time and see Andre the Giant and all these people. Oh, my God. That was and my generation of wrestlers of the 80s. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was a I long saw him at WrestleMania ago. once. <laughs> yeah. And so... Um, so I did the show. It turned out he was so abusive to staff. He would line people up by height. He had all this crazy stuff. Sexual harassment was one of the many horrible things he did. I actually did. didn't know that about him just watching the show. Oh, totally. Right? There's a big Washington Post. I was the only person quoted in this Post article on the record because I thought you have to put your name at the time. Sexual harassment was not well written about at all and yeah. nobody talked about it. And so I thought if I don't put my name on it, people won't believe it. It's a source said. Yeah. And so, so he was super abusive. And there were two times I remember he was, I, I would ghostwrite his column and then he would put the conservative invective in. And he was, for now, he's not very conservative. Cons, you know, he's yeah, not the same. It was Reagan conservatives, yep. essentially. And he was, he was taking his time and he didn't care about anybody else's time. And he, I'll never forget this. He goes, I go, can I please leave? I've got things to do. I've got a life. You got to, I need to leave. Finish your thing so I can go. And he would, he was such a weird perfectionist. And he was making the list for his party. He had an annual party where all the powerful Reagan administration people would come, whatever, whoever it was at the time. And, and I said, I got to go. And he goes, I'm making a list for this party. It's critically important. I go, it's really, it's a party, like whatever. And he, this is exactly what he said to me. He goes, don't you know the collective power of the people I am assembling? I am assembling. They're coming to for me. I'm making them come. I am collecting this room. And I looked at him I'm and I said... I looked at him and I said, sir, Babylon was. And he goes, excuse me? And I said, you know what? 
I bet the Greeks thought they had it all going, and then they're another dead, right? And I'm like, Kublai Khan, you ever heard of it? Wow, I said, like someday. Downer, I know, I know. Well, I wasn't getting this, this sexual harassing pig to. Uh, and he go, and I go, someday you're going to be washed up. I'm going to be powerful, and then I'm not going to be powerful. I said, come on, give me a break. This is bullshit. And I have to say, one thing I liked about him, he went, ha, oh, that's fantastic. A good job. And good it, invitation. Yeah, it was crazy. And then another time, he used to make people make, he used to do things to in, make people feel less, right? The, to, the classic. To, yeah, you know, typical, person, typical yeah. abusive person. And he used to make everyone on the staff, no matter who they were, make him toast. He liked buttered toast, right? And he'd be like, toast, make my toast. And everyone would do it. And these are all people, conservatives, who wanted to move up the conservative ladder. And I'm not, so it didn't matter. I'm this lesbian, right? You know, and I was like... <laughs> were, uh, were you always out? Yes, at this time I was, by very early on. And so he, um, he goes, uh, make me toast. And I said, you know what? In my contract, I don't have to make you toast, and I'm not going to make you toast. And I refuse to make you toast. And he goes, everyone here makes me toast, or I fire them. I said, all right. I'm not going to make you toast, so you better not ask me because then you'll have to fire me. And he's like, all right. He never asked me to make him he toast. He backed down. Well, he just never asked me. Yeah. He just wanted to say, sh- I will fire you if you don't make your toast. I go, all right, sounds good. But in the end, he was kind of like a pussycat. He liked a it. Pussycat. He, yeah. he wasn't a pussycat. No. no. And then but- he sexually harassed a woman I worked with. She wasn't able to, at the time, deal with it. And she... Uh, didn't do anything about it at the time. There was a year. There was a year you had at the time. The laws, if I recall. And then he did it to it. someone else. Yeah, and he did it to someone else. And she brought us in for testimony, and we did. And they were terrible. His lawyers were like, "You hate men because you're a lesbian." I'm like, "Oh, I hate him, not men." Um, and it was it was really the, the people that worked for him were so um, enabling of his really grotesque it was very grotesque it was the typical sexual it's a running around the desk sexual harassment you basically saw like the worst of washington yes it was terrible like and both from like journalistic perspective and, and from like the behavior and the behavior it was also people that worked for him at one point um a woman who was running his office said to her and me you two must be lying and i'm like you're kidding me right because everyone can see what was happening here and we quit and it was very upsetting to this woman who got sexually harassed. It was really de- demeaning and debilitating for her to have no power. And so when that article came, I, I talked on the record. Um, I think it was Eric Alterman wrote this piece. And he, I was, and he's like, we could go off the record. I'm like, no, no, I want my name here because it has to sh- it has, you have to see a name next to this because nobody believes this stuff goes on. And, and I said he sexually harassed her. This is what happened. Blah 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 blah. Because he had settled, and but I wasn't under. I wasn't paid off. And so they printed it. It was in the paper. Ran into him at a party because I was covering parties for the Washington Post. He came up to me. He's a big man, and he goes, "Kara Swisher." And I'm like, "Oh God, you son of a whatever." Okay. And he goes, "I just want to say, in a town where people stab you in the back." You stabbed me in the front, and I appreciate it. And I go, anytime, you son of a bitch. And he's like, good to see you. I go, good to see you, sir. And that was the end of it. And then he died. That's like a true life. And then he died. And later his wife apologized when I ran into her once, um, which was nice. Um, Other people tried to apologize. Some people I did not forgive for their behavior then. When did you get out of uh, the Washington racket? You know, when did you? I covered parties. To focus more on for the style section. 
Um, when did you? I was covering. When did you catch like the tech bug though? It was David Ignatius, uh, who's now a columnist. Yeah, he was a, he ran the business section. He was trying to work his way up the ladder to be the editor in chief, and it didn't work out for him. But he's doing a great job right now. And I was covering the Haft family. If you remember the Hafts of Washington, yeah. they covered retail. It was the richest family in Washington. So I early coverage of billionaires. They owned Track Auto, Dart Drug, and they had a big fight. They all had pompadours, and I wrote the. It was the it gripped Washington for an entire year. Ben Bradley was Just his favorite their, story. Like, little, like, oh, it was like it was like King Lear. He, the son tried to unseat the father. They both had the same pompadours. One was gray, and they and then the wife divorced the husband you know, and backed the son. And then the gay son that everyone hated went with the father and screwed the wife, screwed the mother. Then the sister was involved. It was crazy, and so I wrote it like a like King Lear. I wrote the whole thing like it, and I, it really elevated me at the Washington Post. It was such good reading. And I sort of wrote it like Barbarians of the Gay, and it yeah. was famous. I mean, and Ben Bradley was like, what happened today? Because in the, in the, it was like a soap opera, right? It was like Yellowstone or yeah. whatever. Same stuff. So anyway, so we were, I was writing that, and I got tired of them because they were crazy. And they call me at all hours. And I told the son he was fired. I told the father he was divorced. I was like, these people are so fucked up. I have to get away from them. So a friend, of, someone I was dating was in Russia. I went to Russia when it was breaking up. And I had studied propaganda. And, and I was at Georgetown Foreign Service School. So I was like, I'll go. This is a really interesting time to go to Russia. And so I went there. And, and when I was there, David called me. And he's like, well, can you come back and cover this little company called AOL? I think you'll like it. And I'm like, I'm not coming. What is that? He goes, digital services. It's supposedly going to be, it's big here in Northern Virginia. There were several big companies like MCI and PSINet. Right. You don't remember them, but no, UUNet was another that, one. They created the whole tech corridor. Well, because they're, and, the, and one, of the, Dulles, one of the hubs right? of the internet, May East, it's yeah. called May East. There's May West and May East. Yeah. Was in, it, it, May stands for, I forget what it stands for. But it was here, and so that's why. You need proximity to May East. And so I was like, oh, interesting. And I had used some of these things when I was dating this person in Russia, so I was familiar. You and used, I, like, some of the AOL services? No, like, the AOL, the, the, these things didn't exist. It was, it was, it, uh, it was F, uh, I forget, with Fred. They had all weird names. Um, CompuServe may have been around. They could have been, but it wasn't yeah. that. It was even more technical. And I... Or we just had the dial-up uh, bulletin boards. Things like that. It yeah. was very early, but I was like, huh, this is intriguing. And where I, where I really changed my mind is when I came back, I said, I'll think about it. I had a fellowship at Duke that the Washington Post ran that I taught students for a couple months. And I started using the Internet, the browsers, really early. And the minute I used the World Wide Web browser, the Mosaic browser, I was like, oh, Oh, this is a worldwide network of information. This must have been, what, 93, 94? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, wait a minute. This is like the telegraph. This is like the telephone. This is radio. Yeah. This is the next thing. If you Like can, immediately you kind of like... A hundred percent. And so I said yes. I was like, oh, yeah. And one of the things I did is I downloaded a whole book onto the server. I messed up the server. The guy at Duke was mad at me. And I was like, I downloaded a book onto my computer. And he's like, so what? I'm like, oh, no. It's everything. And I got totally into it. The minute I saw it, I was like, and I, I started to get really touchy at the post, too, because I was like, there's not going to be newspapers. There's not going to be, for some reason, it, and I started using their, they had one suitcase cell phone, and I used it. I was like, you're not going to be at a desk. You're going to have a, a device, like on Star Trek, and you're going to walk around. And they're like, this is a suitcase. I'm like, it's not going to be a suitcase. Just have some fucking imagination, people. <laughs> and so I started, the minute I saw it, it was like, ding, ding, ding. It's like seeing flight for the first time. Like, oh, there'll be airplanes. Yeah. Um, and so, and I was, I read H.G. Wells, and I was, you know, I read enough sci-fi to understand where it was going. 
I love the Terminator movies and so and so I immediately started covering it. And then I happened to be there when they were not billionaires, when they were in garages. And so it was like meeting Thomas Edison's everywhere. When they didn't have money, they weren't well known. And so they talked to me and nobody was paying attention to them. Were you coming out here to California or still I mostly moved. like local? Yeah. I moved. Walt yeah. Mossberg, who was working at the Wall Street Journal, the Post wanted me to cover politics. They thought that was the highest honor they could bestow on me for my haft work. And that, of course, and the I was that like, was. Uh, thank you, no thank you. And I would have had to cover Monica Lewinsky, who I later interviewed. And I was just, I'm not interested in this sad little place of like weird little horse trading. I like, you know, I get why people like Washington, but it was like, this is so small. Yeah. And it's not about the, this is about the future. And so I moved, Walt recruited me. Uh, I, uh, I was working on a book on AOL. Uh, and he recruited me um, to to come to the Wall Street Journal, and I was their first full time internet covering the internet. And most people, the journal disdained it; they called it a Ponzi scheme. A lot of the people, I was they like, "Well, like, this Ponzi scheme is going to take over everything." So whatever. So fast forward to you and Walt parachuting out and starting. What's the first name for the All Things D? All Things D. We started at the Wall Street Journal. It was, it was owned internal, by the right? So they owned it. Yes, it was a Skunk yeah. Works. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so. I assume you learned some lessons there about owning that kind of thing yourself and not building yes, we it inside did. a company. And also not having right. control and not having control over investment and finance. We did it ourselves and we had to start with a conference because they didn't like blogs. I said, oh, we, I wanted to start, I ended up starting the All Things D site, but they did not like, they thought it wasn't going anywhere. And I was like, oh no, digital media is going to be a big deal. And they liked that they were working on a Saturday newspaper. I was like, oh, who wants that? Yeah. Um, and so I, they just didn't, they were not a very creative group of managers. When, when you and Walt left, it was a first, huge we, media story. It was. We were right? there first. And, and then we go we, through cycles of these kind of like yeah. independent media. You know, yes. Right now it's about Substack. Yes, whatever. For a while ago. That's going down. Blogs. Yeah. But, you got, but there, that was a big moment when you it and was. Walt. It was. It was because we were like, we're, we tried to get Rupert to invest all things sports. He'd all take things. it over by then? He had. Yeah. He, he had by that time. Also, his behavior around that girl who died with the with tapping their cell phone, the little dead girl's cell phone, that sort of turned us against them. We're like, are you f- kidding me with this guy? Yeah. Uh, we weren't comfortable working for Murdoch, but we did try to get investment. We had several executives who got it, and we were going to do all things finance, all things sports, all things, and we were going to do blogs and events and podcasts. Was, we were starting to look into that. Um, but they didn't want to make any investment, and they made it into the, remember the daily that Jesse whatever of yeah it was Angela an iPad product yeah they wasted was, so much money at yeah, that. Of, in fact Steve Jobs was like I heard a lot of good people there's a lot of good uh, editors and journalists that came out of the daily no they were great yeah. but nonetheless it, Jobs was like why aren't they giving you money I'm like I don't know Steve I don't know what to tell you they're giving it to that guy um, and so so that first conference that's con- why we conference, left that's why we left. But that first conference where you showed the video uh, today with Steve Jobs, that mm-hmm. was uh, All Things D. That was All Things the, D. Inside the, the journal. They journal. were for many years. Yeah, for many years. And one of the things that was great about that is they thought so little of our business. They, they gave Walt and I, each of us got a third of the revenue, of the of the net revenue. And huh. so we made it So enormous. as employees at the Wall Street Journal, you... They you, wouldn't give us a raise. They were, they, they were resistant to give us a raise, so they gave us... They didn't think it was going to make money. It made millions. And so we were happy. It was great. And so what year did you guys take it? In 2005, maybe? 2000, I'm trying to think. So that's the first time you're 2000, outside the umbrella of yes, the corporation. Yes, we decided. So we went around and visited everybody. We didn't want to have venture capitalists. 
Um, we the conference was a money maker. It's always been a very significant money maker. Super popular. We knew we didn't need the journal to get famous, well-known people. They wanted to come for us. Like, I just got the all these people. I don't need anybody to get them. I know them. All right. This is what we need. We need to talk about is right. is how. Now you've been doing this a long time, mm-hmm. so it's it's a little different. But how did you how did you get to the point where you could get the kind of people you get? You just put you got on, them from the beginning. You just put on as the final panel this yeah. year. Um, Tim Cook, who came from the freaking Apple event where he, he unveiled the new iPhone, and you were very funny and completely dismissing <laughs> that. I don't care. And telling I just because you know because it was an audience full of tech reporters, and I'm like, if you ask him about what Dynamic Island is, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill I you. I was dying. I was like, very funny. It's true. It's like I'm sorry. Oh, you shut up a lot of people who wanted to ask well, questions about that. Well, you know what? It's dumb. It's so they're so they're so incremental. This was something else, and it was my party. So, so what's your? How do you, how do you get the the big names that we always that you, did? We yeah. always the very first code was Steve Jobs and Bill Gates was there, and then we had them together. Mark Zuckerberg came quite a few times. Elon's come a lot, especially he's had a very he's had a much more you, rocky you were, career. You than, were brutal about, about Elon today. I was. I'm disappointed in Elon. He was great last year, I'll tell you that. He was funny last year. And Were you there? It was I, funny. I was there in the year in the year. Yeah, we since, usually get sh- along, but now he's decided to be the douche this year. Did so. you hear anything uh, any feedback yet I'm about sorry, what you're saying about him? No, we're allowed no, to say No, he doesn't care. He, does. he I think he, he does care. No, he does. He'll go in and out. He, in in a year he'll be like, "Oh, hey, Kara, what's up?" He's that's what he's like. Like what? we were in a beef on something. I don't even remember. He was mad at Walt and then he was therefore was mad at me at one point. I'll he, never speak to you again. I'm like, "Okay." How did the Crying. How did the Tim Cook, Lorraine Powell Jobs, Johnny Ive panel come together? Well, I had been talking to Lorraine about these archives, which I was always like, why isn't there a Steve Jobs archive? There's all these great notes. There's all this great material. And she had been doing videos um, to talk about. And I thought that was great. Like, because people forget. One of the things I wanted to do many years ago, I was talking to the Smithsonian about doing 30-minute interviews with the founders, of, like Mark Andreessen when he was 21 years old. I was like, this is never, he's going to be different and say different things. Let's get him right when he's doing it. And yeah. the Smithsonian never wanted to do it. I was trying to get funding for that. And so she went and did that and, and then is creating the archives. And so she and I took a walk. She loves to walk. And so I was like, I'd like the last code to be about Steve Jobs' last session. And she was reticent at first. She's like, oh, he wouldn't have liked it. It's not. I said, no, he it's wouldn't really have liked it. The Memory, memorials, that kind of thing. I said, no, I don't want to do that. I want to talk about his prescience on privacy and quality and this and that. And listen, he wasn't a perfect person by any stretch, but today he looks like a gentleman. Like, uh, and so, and, yeah, you and kept making that point. What do you mean compared uh, I, to like he, what? Like Elon, uh, you were, you were, you I think were like Elon's a visionary. Elon, uh, I, I think Elon's a visionary. The behavior. It's yeah. the, the behavior of all of them. They're just, you know, they, they've decided they know best for everybody else and that they don't need any regulation that people, listen, I was there for the beginning of the internet. Guess who bought it? The American people paid, the taxpayers paid for this, and they rode on the backs of everybody else. They made their fortunes on something the American people paid for, right? They don't get to decide everything. They don't get to buy fiat because they're the richest people in the world get to do anything. And so what's happened is, a, is a, one of the things I loved about Steve Jobs is he had a lot of soul. He had a lot of spirit. I did not always agree with him. He could be kind of a jerk. But boy, it was just out. He was what he was. And it was, you know, WYSIWYG is an expression. You know, what you see is what what you you get. get. That was how Apple was designed. He was WYSIWYG. Okay. 
okay, that's the way you are. You want to be a jerk sometimes. You want to eat, but sometimes he could be very sweet. And I, with a lot of, I never felt, I always knew what he was doing, right? I felt like, and I feel like with Tim Cook too. I don't think he's trying to, he's a very, he's non-disingenuous. He's well, not. And he has to live with constantly being compared to this demigod. Right? Oh, I think he's done rather well. It's, it's worth, what, 10 times? He's made it, come on, it was worth $300 million. But, he, dollars but still, Jobs, like, or $300 billion. he's always going to have to deal with, you know, the, the uh, I don't the think God so. I think he's jobs. proved himself. I think most of Wall Street. Yes, I think he's done a very fine job. Yeah. Uh, he's a very confident guy. Um, I feel like what's happened now is they lost. It's lost its spirit that it had. The, that pie. Apple. Not Apple. No, Just no. The I think they're doing the tech world in general. I think Apple's one of the better players there. But it lost its. They got so rich, and so removed from their roots that many of them are great. Like Brian Chesky, I couldn't say enough good things. Like Evan Spiegel. I really like him. Boy, we started off with a really rocky relationship. I had all people I liked. What Mark Cuban? Yeah. Oh, he was just a jerky frat boy, and then he grew up, and he grew up well. So, and he, he started to get very aware of what he was. He's also super creative. It's hard not to love his products, right? Evan. You mean Evan, Evan. Spiegel. Yeah. And, then, and then Facebook tried to kill him a million times. So, And so I had people here that I liked, that I really, really liked. I liked Steve Jobs. And the, the, the spiritedness, the creativity had been missing all for money and for stealing people's data, information thieves. And so I, I've gotten very irritated by that. It's, and these are people now that won't admit, what, like, just say you're here to make money. Just here, say you're here to take their data. But stop pretending you're trying to change the world. Stop pretending well, they all do that, that, that it's, you know, at one point, someone was like, oh, I'm going to change the world. I have, I have a fucking dating service. That's what you're doing. Like, I don't think someone who, like, some guy on the corner of Bodega goes, I have a way to, for people to do commas. He's just selling milk. Wait, but on what you just said, when you, the first time you saw the internet, mm-hmm. you realized how transformational it was going to be and that it would change the world. Not He's, the businesses, what it was, what it represented, which is all human communication in one place, accessible to all. It's a huge idea. So this is the one question that, that, that I wanted to get at, is, is the tech press sometimes can be um, involved in a lot of just pure boosterism. Yes, right? yes. That's that, When I got here, that's what it was. It really it was. Now it's a little too snarky. Like, it's it, both. There's been it, a bit of a backlash. Yeah, but it's a little the, too much that sometimes. Like, some of it isn't just awful. Some of it's amazing. And so it, when I got here, so many tech fanboys, all boys, let me just say. Um, and Walt Mossberg told me one thing. He goes, two things. Parachute in with your cleats on. Show them who's boss. And two... Don't tell them. Don't tell them what's inside the watch. Tell them what time it is. Hmm. Think about that. Like I know it sounds kind of like cliche, but nobody cares what's inside the watch. They care about what it means. Like what's the impact of the internet? What does it change? How does it change music? How does it change entertainment? How does it change communication, dating, work from home? Like the internet is the most. Not the internet. The, the, all of tech is the most important. It's electricity of today. Right? It's so important. Electricity yeah. changed everything. The internet changed everything. And so that's how profound a medium it was. What's the big difference between covering politics, which you still do quite a bit of, mm-hmm. and, um, and covering this world? It's, it, it, everything is affected by tech. There's nothing. Politics has been like so the, infected by tech. If you, you know, what covering the personalities and the politicians and the campaigns versus mm-hmm. covering whatever the equivalent is in in the well, covering Google and Apple and all and all the rest. You know, there is an insularity to it. There's a little. There's used, no sense of like 
you have they have a responsibility to explain themselves or be transparent. I don't think public. politicians have a responsibility to explain themselves anymore. They don't. They just get on Twitter and say something stupid, they some don't hot take. Anymore. Yeah. You know, I don't think Ted Cruz has told a truthful sentence in many, many decades at this point. And boy, is you know the use of when I mentioned Marjorie Taylor Greene, she has no power, and yet she does. She has perceived power because she tweets, but no real power. No but power she does. Congress. That's right. It's all power that's leveraged from it, the outside. But it's powerful so, in some way, and so Kevin McCarthy has to fear that. That's correct. So it has impact. Her so against him. I'm still writing about the same thing, which is the uses of technology and where it's going and how it affects our whole society. Depression among kids—it's everywhere. You can go. You can be positive things. You know, there's all kinds of positive things, but and there can be negative things. Like working at home is kind of cool. Now you can and. You can do like childcare, commuting, all this stuff is really interesting. At the same time, it can hurt teenage girls, it can, you know, create an ADD, reductive kind of culture, a twitchy culture. Um, it creates coarsening of the political thing. It can lead right to the insurrection. Let me just tell you exactly. the, the radicalization that happens via an addictive medium repeated over and over again is where, why we got where we got. I guess what I'm getting is the same criticism of a lot of bad political journalism, sure. which is like, you know, you didn't hold these people accountable, and um, you know, we hear this all the time in covering politics, and it led to X. Sometimes those criticisms are true, sometimes they're kind of bullshit, but um, I feel like in the tech press, the um, there's been a big turn in the last yes, it's gone decade, rather negative, right? right from yeah. full boosterism, because let's be honest, like. Tech is really cool, and a lot right. of people who cover tech love, love right. yeah. tech. I mean, yeah. I grew up in, in you know as an Apple fanboy, and yeah. all, all the rest. So I, it is and, some remarkable is stuff. It, and is it, has it changed a lot and un, and enough? You know, where the focus is on like that whole litany that you were just talking. talking well, I about. think Recode had a lot to do with it because we had what we did is a lot of people sort of did either the very straight stuff. This happened today and they released this. And it, to me, that's just typing like, oh, did you type something like you typed the press release or you not even that you just typed. One of the things we tried to do at Recode was they did great reporting and then they told you what it meant. And the reason I did Recode that told way. You what time it is. Yes, huh? exactly. The reason I changed that at Recode was I was at the journal and I was writing about food delivery services very early and it was like a oh, it like, was like uh, an incinerator of money. It was crazy. It, it was a web van was the one that Remember was, Cosmo.com? Cos, of course. I was I I, oh, I think I loved I, Cosmo.com. I had a line they wouldn't put in the Wall Street Journal. I said they're one sexual assault away from the end of their business. Like Cosmo.com? What, yeah, cuz oh, you don't know who's delivering like, it. Who they didn't have any safety in place. And no checking, no vetting. And when the tech was really kind of like oh, together, I remember. Of I remember course. Like and it was like a marshmallow a piece for, of pizza delivered yeah, exactly. required like 10 different people calling each other. It was insane. <laughs> it was crazy. And you could see it. And and we would, a lot of tech was like, and this is, I was like, no, this is not going to work. This is going to work. And I remember Webvan. I remember Webvan. And I looked at the numbers and I, you know, there's an expression. There's someone on, uh, I think it's YouTube who has the math ain't mathin. And I kept going, the math, I'm not good at math, but that's not working. And so, I was writing the story and I was going to say it. I was like, this is just, someday food delivery is going to be work really well. This is not the day and this is not the company because here, this, this, the costs are way out of line for the thing and people aren't ready and there's not enough this. 
it's a great idea. You realize idea. that if you got something delivered from Cosmo.com because yeah. it was like, this must yeah. have cost $100. Right, right, right. exactly, <laughs> to deliver. And I kept thinking, there's no way you can make it up in volume. There, yeah. We'll make it up. No, you weren't going to make it. You're gonna make, it's even worse of a deficit hole for that. And so I wanted to write this story in the journal and just say it. I've done the reporting. I'm telling you, as someone who's very educated, that I, I have come to the conclusion this is a disaster. And the journal editors said, can you get a quote? Someone said that. I go, no, I'm saying it. I'm saying it. It's, I've done the reporting. I know yeah. this is where it's going. And that's why I kept saying today. I told them that. Like I, and, and, and so I, I wanted to write that sentence. And they wanted to put in the typical journalistic, to be sure, to be sure, some people right. think this isn't going to work. I was like, I don't, I'm sure. Right. Let's just say that. it. I don't need it. Yeah. And so when, when I was signing Recode, that was what I am going to do. We're going to tell you. We're going to do reporting, and we could be wrong, but boy, we're going to make a good prediction based on analysis and reporting experience and tell you what's real. Comcast is doing this. Here's why they're doing it. Let us tell you. And I think one of the things that political reporting does, and some of it's very good and does get you inside of what's actually going on, is that it falls in love with the process and not the result. You know, or media does the same thing. One point they did the Zasloff was having drinks with Zucker and this. I was like, what is this, a porn movie? Like, it's porn. It's corporate yeah. porn. I wouldn't say that that, as someone who does a lot of process reporting and, and, and some of the favorite pieces I've ever written, like long right. magazine pieces, have been process yes, pieces. But- like, here's why the Obama climate bill fell apart. I love those stories. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the obsession with small things that don't matter. Hollywood reporters do it too. Yeah. Like I, 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 at one point when I was watching, they were were such, you know, they were so sucking up to the studios. That's where they got all their things. I was like, the internet's going to screw Hollywood. And I kept writing it. And they were like, the reporters were against me. I was like, can't you see like it's, because you were swimming against the Well, I was like, wisdom. the album is finished. Are you paying attention to what consumers are doing? Yeah. Well, they say at the studios, I'm like, the studios are fucked. Are they going to tell you they're <laughs> fucked? Because they're fucked. Let me just give you a piece of message. And so, you know, I think I spent a lot of my career doing that, like going, no, that is not what's happening. And I, listen, I've been right more than I've been wrong. And I've not been wrong that much, actually. Where did you get the famous Kara Swisher swaggering confidence? Same, since I was a kid. No. No was my favorite word. Mm, I don't think so. No was like... That's I, like your, your, your instinct is to say no. No, no, not always, because sometimes I say yes. Like, oh, also, that is... When I saw the internet, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, I see that. I, can, I wanted to be a CIA analyst, and I have a mind of a CIA analyst. Like... And I was going to do scenario building. And so if this, then this. This is like Georgetown, like Yes, uh, I was going to be in the scene. I wanted school. to be, but I was gay. And at the time, it was very, if you could, nobody remembers it, but it was very hard to be yeah. gay. And in the, I wanted to be in the military. I couldn't. Um, and so this is what I'm doing all day is scenario building. And so one thing that I think they get wrong about me and tech people, although they keep coming back, is I love tech. I think it's one of the greatest promises. I th- I'm hoping it will save our world in green tech and stuff like that. I think it's done amazing things. Uh, electricity has worked really well for all of us, pretty much, even if we don't have it here in California that much. But no, we, had to, we didn't have any blackouts. I know, thank I think, God. Right? Gavin Newsom was trying to fuck with me. He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, between four and seven, and for your conference." Well, I don't Gavin. know if you. I don't. I wasn't in the room at the time, but when the emergency alert hit, yeah. everyone's phone. Yeah, I was there. Time. Yes, they did. It was, it was like crazy. Beeps yeah, the whole but I love technology. I want to. One of the things I always say is, "Are my? Am I going to be the person on the beach at Kitty Hawk?" Okay, it takes off. It goes a foot in the air, whatever it did, 18 inches, and it flew for a minute, whatever it did, going, hmm, it was supposed to fly higher. Uh, I don't know about this plane. Like, it didn't go very long. 
that you'd be an idiot. It's flying. They flew. And I like to pay attention to that. Like, oh, they flew. Yeah. That's what's important. So okay. not just to be a, a, a skeptic. I'm not a about, naysayer. Yeah. I'm a skeptic. I'm not a naysayer. It's yeah. a two di- very different things. And I think I'd like to, unfortunately, what's happened with a lot of companies is they're starting to really lie. Like, this is what's happened. I'm like, no. And I, I remember the Facebook stuff, I just, you could see it coming. And I called Sheryl Sandberg very early, and I was like, listen to me. This Russia stuff is trouble for you. You keep saying it's not a big deal. You need to stop and look at everything. And they were like, don't worry, we got it. And I'm like, I don't think you got it. Because he had started making up numbers that were like, there's this percentage. I'm like, did you count it? Because there's, you had like four days. Like, how could you know? And you don't know. So stop saying things. And Percentage of what? Percentage of like misinformation? It's or only like- zero, zero point one point point. And I was like, oh, how did you come up with that number? Well, we did. I'm like, I would like to see the math. Yeah. I would well, like to see what lied, he's, he seems to be he's he made it up. Pretty much he made it college. up. Like made it up. They just made it up because they wanted to go away. And so at first he said zero, which I was like, how did you know that? Like again. And so one of the things they count on is people not saying, just a second, sir. I'd like some... Answers. I'd like some information about this. Yeah. And and they don't like that. Same thing happened when they when they rolled out Facebook Live. They showed it to me and I said, "Okay, what's going to happen if someone murders someone on it, straps a GoPro and puts on their head?" Because I'm a black mirror person. I think the worst of things. I like to anticipate the worst. What happens if a bullying? What happens if murder? What happens if this? What happens if hosting this? And literally this techie there was like, "You're a bummer." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm a fucking bummer." Dude, I don't know if you read world history, but the world history is a fucking bummer. Like, I'm going to anticipate the... That's what I was talking to to Tim Cook about, the the, Johnny Ive, actually. The care of design when you make these things and the responsibility you have is grave. And so if you are so careless about the way you make things, fuck you. And so... And these people are the richest people in the world on the back of U.S. taxpayers, they better be careful. They got they got a gift given to them. And sure, they're innovative. Sure, they've done two cool things, but they never would have gotten here without a lot of people way before them that allowed them to do so. And some of it's luck, some of it's innovation, but they didn't hang the moon. They just made something really cool. And they have, in the fact that they have this much power and no regulation, they need to be more responsible. And that's, that's where I was trying to get out. Steve Jobs wasn't always responsible, but he certainly talked about privacy. He talked about dignity. He talked about good design and care in making things. You don't have a lot of complaints about Apple, do we? Do we go, oh no, they've screwed us again? Not really. Well, the antitrust, the antitrust folks. The have antitrust stuff, right? But that you can say it about every single company. Every they're too big. They're all too big. I think they're App Store. They need to. In that way, they can figure that out. There's probably some easy solution with them. But I, I mean. They'll eventually. You settle. covered the Microsoft trial. trial. Did that? Did that really that like solve anything? Didn't solve anything. Because so maybe cooperate with them and figure out a way we can get a fair playing field. But they certainly shouldn't be without regulation. Any of them. Let's finish up with yeah. just a couple of things about okay. the history of the conference. Do you have a favorite guest or interview from the twenty years of doing this? The Steve Jobs, Bill Gates interview together. One that together. was. It's going to go down in history. And you know they didn't like each other. They were they later famous rivalry. Yeah, but really they didn't. They were always trying to. Did did they ever become like actual friends at the end of Steve's life? Yeah, they realized kind of like the. Yeah. Yes, and so he. So I I liked that interview. I thought that was a beautiful interview, and that was a historic event. And at one point, Gates didn't want to take a picture with Jobs. We had these Kodak photos. And I went, you know what? This is for history. A hundred years from now, when everyone in this room is dead, that picture is going to be in a history book. You need to take a picture. And he did it. He did, and he did do it. it. Yeah. 
So that was great. That was really great that he did. Um, we'll have to so, reverse this because I don't want to end on such a bummer. Yeah. But what was your? Uh, do you have someone who you're just like, fuck that guy? That woman is not coming back next year. A lot of people. <laughs> Carly Fiorina. I why? Because I asked her if there's anything innovative she had done on her tenure. Because I don't think changing a color of a machine is innovative, and she was not pleased about that. Um, a bunch of people. Terry Semmel at one point was talking about giving names to the Chinese government, and he didn't answer well. And I thought he was great. There were several things like that happened. Yeah. Um, but in general, they've all been great interviews. But you know, well, Elon's been great. Like Mark Zuckerberg has not had such a good experience at, at my hands, but that's okay. Well, it was his for, fault. It wasn't mine. I was just going to say, for good reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for doing this. Thank you. I love coming to this conference. Thank you. Um, especially being stuck covering politics And please, all the for the love of God, Ted Cruz, stop tweeting. You suck at it. Thank you. I don't know if Ted's a listener, but he's... I don't know, but <laughs> you suck. Sure. Trump is good. Why such hatred for, uh, for Ted Cruz? Because he's Wait, such Trump. a bad tweeter. Oh. Trump's a good tweeter. I'm sorry. I don't like what he tweets, but he's good at it. Why didn't, you, the one thing, though, I think you need, you got to get some more, uh, some more right-wingers. On the show? On the, con- I the tried. conference. I invited a lot. They're, you know, the getter folks, the I, Trump I've had technology them all. folks. I've had them all. I've had them all at other events. I had them last year. That's so true. you, you run you out of them, and then the rest of them are too chicken to say to come. So they're too chicken. Bok, bok. Thank you, Kara. All right, thank you. Thank you for having me. And that's our show. Our producers are Afra Abdullah and Kara Tabor. Adam Allington is our senior producer. Brooke Hayes is the senior editor of audio at Politico. Jenny Amont is the executive producer of audio at Politico. Mike DeBonis is Playbook's daily newsletter editor. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. An additional shout out this week to the great Cooper Mall for providing recording assistance at the Code Poker Party. I'm Ryan Lizza. Thanks for listening.